All right. Welcome to our national championship game recap, the final Take the Points podcast of 2023-24 and possibly ever. More on that later. Um, We're going to jump right into it. The national championship game did not go the way the three of us had hoped. Washington did not uh, put up the type of performance they did against Texas or really all season. Michigan did a nice job of keeping them in check, pressuring Penix, running the ball well enough. Um, Washington played really well for a couple quarters, but things got away in the first quarter. They couldn't catch up. And then Michigan just pulled away at the end as well. So 34 to 13 was the final. The Michigan Wolverines are your 2023, 24 national champion. Washington was still the fun team of the year. And uh, I'm going to kick it over to number one, 2023 Huskies fan, Dan Partridge. Give me your thoughts on the game, on Michigan, on Washington, whatever you want to recap from the game. Sure. Uh, I've never been more upset in a correct prediction in my life. Uh, I did pick Michigan over Washington week one on the show. Um, it came to fruition. Just a frustrating game as uh, someone rooting for Washington. Yeah, obviously, they, they made some mistakes early with their uh, defensive scheme. They thought McCarthy was going to run more. After the third possession, they said, scrap that. And then they shut Michigan down for like, what, eight possessions in a row or something. Washington was down seven points in the second half, um, and Michigan punted to them four times in a row, and Washington got the ball four times in a row down seven and never scored. Penix um, obviously was affected by the Michigan defensive scheme, but he missed throws. There were three uh, touchdowns in the game he missed. He missed the fourth down pass to Rome for a touchdown. He missed Culp up the scene. And one that I didn't see until I saw some film review this week there was a play where McMillan went in motion and it was supposed to be a wide receiver screen to McMillan and he trips over the defensive end's foot on Michigan and the pass goes incomplete. And they, and they zoom out and show it. If he catches the ball, it's an 80-yard touchdown. Um, just a total splash play and changes everything. So Washington was really um, caught off guard the first 10 minutes of the game, but then actually outplayed Michigan for the next 40 and then gave, you know, they fell apart at the end. But um, the Washington coaches were irate after the game. I've never seen Kalen that mad. He slammed his uh, playbook. In the post-game press conference, he was really curt and to the point. And, you know, um, he said that it was his team's errors that led to the loss. He didn't really give Michigan a credit, which I kind of liked. Um, just really frustrating. And, of course, you wake up on Tuesday morning and you turn on ESPN. They're like, Michigan with a dominant win. I'm like, go fuck up. Fuck off. Like, it was not that dominant. But Washington played great. They could have won that game, but they didn't. Uh, congratulations, Harbaugh, Island, Michigan, uh, J.J. McCarthy, who I don't think is any good still. And uh, hell of a year for the Huskies. Uh, so fun to root for. We'll definitely talk about them here in a minute in detail. Love how they were our Tinder team for this year, so you can mess around with them for a year and move on because – it is time to move on would be an understatement. And we'll talk about that momentarily, but that's all I got on the national title game. I'm not so sure about that, but we'll get to that next. We'll talk about coaching, but Ryan, your recap of the championship game or takeaways. I mean, Dan pretty much covered it. Um, It was, it was a bad time for Washington to play their worst game of the year. 
DJ was not, Dylan Johnson was just not healthy in the least. He was completely ineffective. They had to go to, you know, a running back who barely, I mean, Nixon barely played at all, like the whole year. And so like to all of a sudden try to make him like a focal point of your running game against a Michigan team that doesn't give up much on the run that really screwed Washington up. Um, you know, even though they, they are a heavy pass team, they do a lot of play action. So they need to at least have some run threat because the play action is huge. His Penix is so good with his ball handling. Like it's important to have play action. So that just screwed him up. Penix was just, he was just off. I mean, it wasn't the pressure as much as it was. He was just off. He missed some throws early in the game that pressure had nothing to do with it. Like he was in the pocket and just missed. And, uh, you know, that's, that's tough, but you know, moving on, this is two years in a row now that our Tinder team has lost in the title game. Uh, so we're, we're, we're damn close guys. We're damn close. I mean, three years in a row, we had Utah who was one win away from being in the playoff. TCU last year loses in the final and Washington this year loses in the final. It's a tough one, but you know, it is what it is. Fun season. Yeah. I mean, the point of the Tinder team was it's a team kind of from outside the normal mix outside the top 10 that we really quote unquote fall in love with that year. And so they're always going to be the underdog by the time they get to a championship game and play uh, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan. So the odds are never in their favor. I'm with the two of you in terms of Washington. I'll praise Michigan in a second, but Washington, they definitely had their chances. I thought it was a combination, like you said, Dan, of Penix missed some throws he'd usually make. And sometimes without even much pressure, he just missed some plays. The pressure definitely got to him though. And so it was a combination of him missing some plays he usually makes, having a lot of pressure in his face. And then I've just never seen him shaken the way he was in that game. And by the third and fourth quarter, whether or not there was pressure, he was reacting as though there was going to be pressure. So there were several plays in the third or fourth quarter where Michigan really didn't get pressure on him, but you would have thought they did. And he missed throws as a result, even when they were still in the game. There were a lot of times where I thought that, you know, maybe they're going to pull this off. Maybe they'll get this play. Maybe they'll get that fourth down to Rome and tie it up at 20. But I have to give credit to Michigan. I mean, they definitely played the better game. No doubt about it. They were the better overall team and better at most of the positions and uh, just a great, great coaching job, great scheme, great overall team play. And we've said it a million times, the adversity, the Michigan versus everything was totally self-created this year. I mean, it was all based on, you know, the scandal. They brought it upon themselves, but it worked. And they answered my question of whether it matters, whether your adversity is real or self-created. It doesn't matter, apparently, as long as you believe it. As in the words of George Costanza, it's not a lie if you believe it. So they they gathered together as a team. They played really well. They deserve to win it. I think if that game was played 10 times, Michigan wins at least seven of them. And so they are the deserving national championship, at least based on their play in the, the playoff. So you got to give it to them. And I will say that um, Washington, I don't want to overreact to one game, but 
those three receivers, Rome was the only one who looked like an NFL-ready talent in that game. The other two really didn't step up. Westover, I thought, was the second-best performer on Washington. Penix had a bad game. He'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, J.J. McCarthy, uh, Godspeed to whoever drafts him. I I hope that uh, the Patriots and their new coach, Joe Mayo, decide to draft him because that would be awesome as a Bills fan to watch him in the in the East. Him and Zach Wilson running around would be the ideal situation for a Bills fan like myself. So moving on, we'll get into a recap of the whole season and some awards, and we're going to talk about you know, where this Michigan team and some other recent teams rank in our greatest teams of our lifetime toward the end. But there's been such huge coaching news in the last few days that I think we got to get in, into that next. And of course, this is a college football show. So we'll start with the college football legend, Nick Saban, uh, the greatest to ever do it. I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone at this point argues that he's not the best, you know, maybe there's a, a few Bear Bryant supporters still out there, but like pretty much universally acclaimed whether people like Alabama, hate Alabama. So I'm going to throw it to our coaching expert, Ryan, talk about Saban. You know, if you want to talk about Pete Carroll, another college legend, um, and you know, we'll get to the, we'll get to DeBoer and some of the new changes in a second, but let's praise the guys who are going out. Yeah. I mean, it's a sad day for coaching. Um, We'll start, let's start with Pete, actually. I'll get Pete out of the way. Pete's the best. And Pete's not done coaching, not by a long shot. I can promise you Pete Carroll will pop up somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers hired him in like a week. You think like, so? Oh, he's an L.A. legend from USC going back, and he's got Herbert. He's got enough pieces. He could be the Chargers coach 100% and be like, you know what, Andy Reid, let's do this thing. He's crazy enough to go after those guys. Um, not great for Bills and the AFC, but I could definitely see Pete Carroll still coaching. 72, but I don't think that guy's aged the entire time he's been in Seattle. I didn't think he did a bad job this year. Like I was kind of surprised that he got fired. He got Geno Smith. Uh, anyways, moving on. Coach Nick. Congratulations on a legendary career. Congratulations on your real estate purchase as well. Uh, did you guys happen to see the house that Nick Saban bought no. for his retirement? He bought a $17.5 million mansion on Jupiter Island in Jupiter, Florida. Like one of the most exclusive like neighborhoods to live in in the world, in like the country. He got a membership to Jupiter Country Club, which is, I don't know, like $300,000 to uh, just to like get in initiation fee. And then it's like, what is it like like 17,000 a year or something crazy like that? Like chump change. It's great. Like fantastic job, Coach Nick. You got a house on the beach. You got a great golf membership. You need to be out there playing with Tiger. It's perfect. Like he got out at the right time. He still has his health. You know, he never had any fake injuries like Urban Meyer. You know, uh, it's just he he brought a program that deserves to be a, a powerhouse back to where they belong. And 
you know, now they are in absolutely perfect hands moving forward. Kalen DeBoer from the aforementioned Washington Huskies is taking his talents to Tuscaloosa. Um, congratulations, Auburn fans. You had about 24 to 36 hours of, of celebration. You rolled the tumor's corner. Ding dong, Nick is gone. And guess what? Now Kalen's coming in and he's not even 50 years old. And if he wants to, he can absolutely just run the South for the next 10 to 15 years. So great job, Nick. You got out at the right time. Enjoy Florida. Enjoy the golf. And welcome, Coach DeBoer. You are very, very welcome in Tuscaloosa. I feel like the biggest loser of this, because keep in mind, you know, there were all these rumors. It was going to be Norvell or Dan Lanning or whoever. We always thought it was going to be DeBoer. And I still think that those other guys never had a chance. And it was just a a play by the agent. But Auburn fans for a second thought maybe it'll be Dan Lanning. I feel like the biggest loser is LSU. Because if they hired Dan Lanning, Brian Kelly, despite his many flaws, could have competed with a Dan Lanning Alabama team maybe, or a Mike Norvell Alabama team, but now he's done. So Brian Kelly, you know, unless uh, you pull some amazing quarterback through the portal or whatever, like his days might be numbered. If he can't, if he goes from being behind Saban and now there's a new coach at Alabama and he still can't get over that hump, then um, I don't think he's going. He's taken, he's taken the Michigan job. When Harbaugh bails and goes to the NFL, Brian Kelly's going to Michigan. I promise you that. So that's, I mean, that segues into another coaching thing. I don't think Harbaugh is going to leave. Do you? I do. Yeah. All right. Well, two to one. I guess we'll see what happens. But, you know, as a Penn State fan, again, best case scenario. Um, yeah, DeBoer to me is like, the number one home run hire of all time in college football. Obviously Saban's the best, but like when he got hired by Alabama, he had just kind of flunked out of the dolphins and he won a national championship at LSU. We knew he was good, but nobody knew he was going to be the greatest coach of all time. DeBoer goes in with me thinking like this can't lose. I'll be shocked if he isn't successful there. Shocked. Who's who's the biggest loser of this situation? That would be, Tommy Reese, who he never had a chance to get managed to get a story published that he had a he was in the running for the Alabama job. Mm-hmm. He went from in the running to unemployed in about one news cycle. He was not in the running, if it makes him feel any better. Who God save whatever team hires him as their OC next year? Who's going to do that? I don't know. Notre Dame. That would be funny. Um, It'll be like Cincinnati. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have the mental energy to spend on Tommy Reese, but I'll be interested to see who Kalen does hire. If he brings, you know, grubs with him or whatever else is going to happen. Grubs is coming with him. All his coaches follow him. Mm -hmm. He had seven assistant coaches that have been with him since like Sioux Falls. It's great that all those guys can go together from Sioux Falls to Fresno to Seattle 
than to the greatest, you know, dynasty in college football. I feel great for all of them. I love it when, you know, people have their set of guys and bring them along with them and they all bask in the success. Uh, from a guy we love to a guy none of us like, we do have to talk about the quote-unquote greatest NFL coach of all time, Bill Belichick, systems coach, in my opinion, rode Tom no. Brady's coattails. You can have a monologue, Tom. I'm not contributing to this bullshit. <laughs> Cleveland Belichick was the real Belichick. System coach. All right. That's right. Best of luck in your future endeavors, Bill. I would like to talk a little bit more about Kalen DeBoer in Alabama. Um, we're not done here. There is a domino effect. You want to talk about people who are losers in this situation? Well, if you're interested in buying a Jalen Milrow L-A-N-K Lank shirt with the A-B and the Alabama logo, you might want to wait about a week until he hits the transfer portal and those shirts are 90% off because I will tell you this much, he will not be the quarterback at Alabama next year. He cannot run Kalen's system and he's gone. I was, so it's he's so gone. funny, Dan, sorry to interrupt, but like, you know, we, before we started recording, we were talking about like, you know, work and like when you have to fire people or let vendors go or whatever and how it kind of sucks. First test of Kalen will be his firing skills and, you know, Moving on from Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow had a nice turnaround this season, but uh, after how he played against Michigan and the way he would fit into DeBoer's system, he's out of there real quick. And if he's smart, he'll just he'll recognize that and get out on his own. He's gone. He'll go to like LSU or something like that. Maybe oh, he'll finish no. uh, Brian Kelly. UCLA. Also, also we said that um, Will Rogers would not start next year in Washington. Well, we're already right because he's back in the transfer portal and he's out of there. But my worry uh, is, is he going to try to go to Alabama? Yes, he will. But I don't know if he'll play. We'll see. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I want to talk about Washington for a second. Um, <laughs> if you're a Washington fan, you've had a bad week and you thought Monday sucked. Today's worse. Um Rome Portal, or sorry, Rome NFL, McMillan NFL, Dylan Johnson, the surprise NFL uh, declare, Muhammad the corner, back in the transfer portal, he's gone, Will Rogers, gone, their big defensive tackle, uh, Tualele, retired from football, gone, yep. head coach, gone, Penix, NFL, Trice, NFL, Fantano, NFL, they're screwed, and now they're going to the Big Ten next year. Um, look, I love Washington this year, unless they hire Jed Fish. Are, that's, exactly what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. That is their path to salvation. It's the only one. If it's anyone else but him, they're an auto-fade against every game next year because they're a shell of this team, and they're overvalued. Right, because they just went to the national title game, the ranked 18th. I mean, look at TCU this year. Oh, okay? Washington has no like, chance of like competing and going to the playoffs next year. But you know, I'm just thinking they might the not next be a 500 years, team next year. I'm talking about for the future of the program. Hire Jed Fish. He's going to the Big 12 versus a job he could take that's a better job in general and is going to the Big 10, a bigger conference, probably a bigger payday. It makes sense for him. I think the ultimate loser is going to be your home state of Arizona when they lose him. That's fine because 
were not Arizona fans in theory anyhow, which is good. Yeah, but, and, but they were my favorite to win the Big 12 going into next year. And if he leaves, yeah. then uh, they're not. It depends if Fafitas doesn't go with him. If Fafitas stays and they hire a, a good offensive coach, like what if like what if they offer Grubbs like a pile of money and be like, you know what? Why keep being an assistant? Come here, we got this great yeah. quarterback. That would be smart. It's the Big Twelve, like, or what if Fafita transfers to Washington with Fish? I mean, that that's another option too. I mean. That's what's so wild about this. It used to be to be just coaches leaving. The players were like, damn. But now they're like, oh, no, let's bring all my players with me, too. So, oh, yeah. also, uh, um, last thing on Washington, they had a team meeting today <laughs> where Kalen told him he was leaving. And, like, half the team showed up, by the way. Like, it was embarrassing turnout. They said 30 players showed up. That was it. Not good. There's total I mean, chaos. It was a hell I mean, of a run. What do you, what do you, you can't hold it against them. I mean, what do you expect? It's Alabama. It's not it like was he's all over social media. They they all knew before he had a chance to tell them, and that's they yep. they knew what it was about. I There's knew, no I knew, I know. But that's that's yep. twenty twenty four. That's the age we live in. There's no way around that. Wild. I mean, if he Wild. left them to go to UConn or something, and he left in the middle oh. of the night, then they'd be pissed. But like, he left for the best job in college football after taking the program from a total loser to what 25 and three in two years and a national championship appearance. Like what else do you want from the guy? Last thought. If it's not Jed fish, there's one other name I've heard rumored to Washington. Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) is, is, is a name I've heard, which actually makes a lot of sense. I think, um, it could be worse, but I mean, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. I mean, Whatever. It might be him and Grubb. I don't know. Or maybe not. Or Grubb's gone. Who knows? College football's wild. What a fucking mess. I love it. The good thing about the portal is like you're never completely out of it. You know, if you have a good portal, nope. you can turn it around and, you know, pull in a decent team. So it's not going to be like it was this year. If you're a Washington fan, just just enjoy the moment of 2023 because it's not going to be like this again for a while. Never. Maybe never again. Maybe. All right, uh, that leads us into our next topic, recapping and th- reflecting on the entire 2023-24 season. So we talked about the championship game enough, but um, Ryan, let's start with you. What else are you going to remember from this season? Oof, good question, Tom. Um, I mean... It's RIP Pac-12, really. I mean, that's what I'm going to look back in, at this season. I think historically, we're going to look back at this season as, you know, the last year, the Pac-12 going out on the highest of high notes, um, you know, one little bit short of, of the ultimate, you know, kind of F you to, to everybody on the way out the door. But that's kind of what I'll remember is is just, you know, the year, the last year of the Pac-12, how fun the Pac-12 was, how great those games, a lot of those games were. And, uh, you know, and then just honestly, an extremely subpar bowl season. Um, you know, it's just outside of like the two playoff games, there really wasn't a lot of great Nothing. bowl games. It just wasn't that fun. And, uh, you know, I think unfortunately it's it's a negative thought, but uh, 
but it is one of the you know the two three biggest things I'll I'll have to remember this season for. So one one of our topics I'm going to ask you about later is you know looking forward to 2024 and that this season really marks the end of an era in college football and want to get your takes on what might come next. But you know for me it was obviously Dion kind of marked the first like month of the season and the whole bowl nil portal the impact of all that and the transition thinking about this as like the last year as a certain type of college football the type we grew up with and potentially the end of the sport as we know it that's kind of how i've been thinking about it at the end in the middle i will say as a positive this was a year where a lot of new faces new teams and new people got the limelight you know whether it's kalen and washington Michigan, a non-SEC team winning a championship, a different type of playoff, you know, Georgia not being in the playoff after a couple of years, Alabama losing first round, uh, Lane doing a great job and turning um, Ole Miss into like a borderline top level program. There were some new faces, you know, some of the older faces, obviously Saban retired, Dabo's not where he used to be. Um, a lot of our shitty tarmac coaches got canned early in the year and a lot of new coaches got a chance to rise up. So I, I'm grateful that it was new teams and new faces from what we've been seeing over the last like 10 years. How about you, Dan? Dan, you're on mute. First ever muted zoom of of the 2023 season. I was due uh, for an error. Um, we haven't had a massive technical error this season, which is a huge win for the take the points podcast. Usually we episode, lose like an entire episode or like half an yeah. episode. So there's a chance that this one gets eaten up by Apple and it's not allowed online. Um, my soundboard might just catch on fire mid show. That's fine. Love it. And then we just walk away and that's the end of take the points. I'm okay with that. Um, Dion slash NIL, uh, changing the way college football is viewed. And also the end of a four-team playoff. Um, hot take. Healthy Florida State and Georgia were the best two teams in the college football this year. I think Georgia would have beaten Michigan in the national title game. Um, and I think next year we don't have to deal with that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to run into, well, I think if that 13th place team would have just made the playoff, they would have ran the table. I, I don't think so. Someone's so, going to um, do that, but we'll all kind of laugh at them. Laugh. I know. It's going to be like, oh, come on, Penn State. You're like, come on. You, you, had, to, we you had, had to do Penn you State. Had, you could have picked North Carolina. We no, know they're going to be gonna there. it's going to be Penn State. It's like, come on, we were 10-2. and two. We didn't have a chance to play in the Big Ten title game, but we were right there. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Three-star Aller. Um <laughs> Yeah, so looking forward to uh, the end of the four-team playoff. And um, unfortunately, as as wild as it is with NIL, it's changed the sport that we love forever. Um, it's killed bowl season. And uh, it will make it harder for teams to stay great. Um, teams that are, you know, like Georgia and Alabama who recruit all five stars, if those five stars aren't playing by sophomore year, they're gone. So, um, a lot of talent will get spread out. Um, but yeah, college football wild. I mean, it's like crazy to think how much the sport has changed. Like no other sport that anyone can follow can change as much. It'd be like if the NFL being like, we're going to five downs, we're going to five, like, you know, it's, you can't, it's a crazy change. It's totally changed the way it's done. It's like if the NFC, 
if the NFL decided we're not going to throw a flag on every play. Would, it would totally change the game. No way. No way. We got six wild card games over under flags, 150 in these <laughs> six games. That's my number. Are you guys going to order Peacock to watch the Chiefs and the Dolphins? I already have Peacock to watch English Premier League soccer. I don't. You guys don't have Peacock. Damn. Of course. I, do. I already. I already have it too. Yeah. All right. So that's I, who has Peacock as soccer fans. Yeah, you have to have it. Okay. I I don't watch uh, soccer, uh, so I I didn't realize Peacock was actually bringing something of value to the table. Pe- Peacock shows every English Premier League game, all of them. So like Saturday morning. They have their version of the NFL red zone, but it's just all the goals that's going on way better than the NFL red zone, far more entertaining. They're like, all right, let's go to Brighton where, where someone you're like, great. And you see this crazy goal. And then, and then these announcers are like, he's a shit bag keeper. And they like make fun <laughs> of the other team. It's so, so great. Top you you should really get into soccer. It's 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 the best. Ryan will vouch for me. It's so I should, well. I mean, you know, I just I had a incredible. vacation to London. I love British people. I love Oasis and the the especially the like the working class British people and their sense of humor. I just don't like how boring it is. That's what you think. It's way more exciting than any football that gets played, and there's no commercials and no flags. That's all you need to know. All right. There's cards, but we don't have no flags. Yeah, but the clock keeps running. Yes, Ryan. Yep. I will say, Tom, I was home for Christmas again this year. And as always, when I'm on vacation, just kind of hanging out at my parents' house, I'm usually on the couch on Boxing Day watching soccer because that's what you do on Boxing Day. And every year, my parents walk into the room. They go, what are you watching? Ah, soccer. This is stupid. And they walk out of the room this year. They actually sat down. I'm like, watch, just watch 10 minutes, like with an open mind. Mm -hmm. They were locked in for the whole rest of the game, like super into it. And it was like a two nothing game. And they're like, that was really fun, like really exciting. And I'm like, yeah, two nothing. If it's well played can still be very exciting. So you just got to go in with an open mind and kind of appreciate what they do like watch the spacing watch the movements watch the transitions and counters like it's There's so way much more physical way more physical than you think too like on corner kicks and stuff like you'll just be like did that guy just like grab him by the shoulders and yank him to the ground you're like yeah it's fine like they're not gonna call that and like yeah so it's it's a lot of like subtle stuff but i think just watching it and i think you'll i think you'll like it and especially as an Oasis fan, Tom, Manchester City is the most exciting team you could possibly, possibly watch and root for. And they're finally just about to get healthy here pretty soon. Uh, all their best players are going to be coming back. They're unbelievable. And they're when they're clicking, they're scoring four, five, six goals a game. Like, they're so fun. All right. Well, uh, take the points. We'll uh, end our 2024 season with this episode, and we'll come back in August as uh, the Take the Points Premier League Football Podcast. Oh, I would love also, it. Barely have to change the name. Also, like as a soccer fan, it's the longest season of all time. So, first of all, like European soccer ends 
late May. Oh no, it actually goes into June this year. Just like June fifth is the championship for your all of European soccer, and the next season starts August first. Like, see, I don't like that all. though. No, this is why I. This is why the no. only sport I really follow is football, uh, NFL, and college, and why one of the one of the many reasons I think college is superior. Fewer games equals they all mean more. And like, I like the limited season. I like being diehard in the fall and as of, a point. you know, Super Bowl's right around my birthday in February. And then I'm checked out. I'm watching like the masters and like three other sporting events for the next eight months. And then I'm back all in, in August. No, see, Tom, here's where it's different though, because Explain they're not playing, they're not playing an NBA esque 82 games. Right. The season goes on, but they got a million things going on. They got breaks going on all the time. So like they'll play like four or five weeks of Premier League games. And then it's like, hey, guys, we're all going to take a two weeks off while the African Cup's going on. And then all the players that are from Africa that go back to Africa and they play in the Africa Cup. And like they're so like the season's still going on, but like they're going to take a two week break. And then they come back and they're like, all right, we good. Or we're gonna play for another month, and then it's like, all right, break. We got the Champions League going on, and then the Champions League's going on. And then it's like they come back and they're like, all right, break. We got the Euros, so we got to take a break. So the Euros are gonna go on for like two months, and so it's it's a long season. But they're not playing a million games. No. They're only playing what forty games or something like that. 50, 40, 40 games, thirty eight games, something like that. So like. All right. Well, here here's the deal. When uh, NFL season ends, I will give you guys six months to convince me that soccer or you know football is worth watching. I do see. I just love the short things. I love the Olympics. Two weeks of just nonstop, and then you're you're done for four years. I love the football season. It's in the fall, and then you're done for the rest of the year. So, I'm willing to give it a shot, but uh, I'm not optimistic. All right. We got to move on. This is very important. This is our favorite part of the year is giving out the season awards. Usually we discuss this beforehand, but I'm going to spring these ones on you guys. These are not like out there awards. Most of them are pretty straightforward and I'm going to let you guys talk it through and pick your winners on the spot. You you know, the two of you can agree or (laughs) disagree or whatever. Um, great. We'll start with one that I think is pretty straightforward and that is, uh, Again, these are all for simply the 2023 season. Best coach, 2023. Easy. Uh, De DeBoer with honorable mention, Jed Fish, Arizona. Correct. All right. Uh, best player. And now this is not most valuable to their team, but just who is simply the best college football player of this year. Penix. It was Michael Penix. He was the best player in college football this year. He was. Probably, yes. Probably Penix. Uh, you can put um, Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, and uh, Jaden Daniels all in that same group. It wasn't Caleb Williams. It wasn't Drake May. Um, yeah, it's it's got to be one of those four. It depends what you're looking for, but overall, it's got to be Penix. Just throwing lasers. 
All right. The next award is most valuable player. And where this differs is it doesn't have to be necessarily the best player, but the one that meant the most to their specific team. I have a pick for this, but I want to hear your guys pick first. I'll go Jordan Travis, Florida State, because without him, they were a 500 team at best. With them, he might have been the best team in the country. All right. That was my exact pick. So that that's kind of the award I want to give to him. Ryan, you have a different pick? No, not a different pick. Can we throw an honorable mention out there, a kind of off-the-radar one? Riley Leonard. When he was healthy at the beginning of the year, everyone was talking about Duke, and they were the great story, and Duke, Duke, Duke. And then he got hurt, and they went to hell. And then their coach bailed. So just an honorable mention to Riley Leonard because he did get a lot of attention early in the year. So. It'll be interesting. Sam Hartman got a lot of um, publicity going, transferring to Notre Dame this year. And, you know, they ended up with a pretty mediocre season. And uh, a lot of the publicity was in August approaching the season. So far, not many people have really been talking nationally about Riley Leonard being the new Notre Dame quarterback. That could change over the next six months, but he's got a definite chance, I think, to do better than Hartman did. Um, all right. That's that's a lot coming from you, Tom, the number one Sam Hartman fan. I, I was all time. I was, but you know, he, you know what it was? He was it was like You're Samson fooled. from the Bible, where you know he cut off his hair and then he lost his power. When he removed his rib in order to suck his own dick, Marilyn Manson style, it took away what made him a great college football player. I don't know, you know, Dak Prescott does that core exercise, and I feel like that's very important for playing the quarterback position. And when you remove your rib, you know, to do a Marilyn Manson, you lose that. So I I think it's all in the rib. All right. A couple of fun awards that you guys will like. We go from most valuable player to least valuable player in college football this year. Least valuable player. That'd be, uh, well, I don't want to take the Zach Mills winner away. So I'll, I'll I'll say that. that That's the final award. So, Okay, I, I will not. I will not choose him. The least valuable player, the person who brought the least amount to the table, who's that third string quarterback on Florida State? He can't throw the football. I'll take him. <laughs> Ryan, you got a better answer. Go right ahead. The answer, gentlemen, is Cade Klubnik. That's the answer because he had everything handed to him on a freaking platter, and he's no good. And he's dragging, I mean, all he had to do was be more competent than DJ and they were going to be in the mix and he couldn't do that. He's the least valuable player. I like that one. And and you look what DJ did at Oregon state and that even bolsters that case. And again, you know, when I say least valuable, it's not the worst, it's the least valuable. And so I didn't have anyone in mind for this, but I wanted to throw it out there, and I kind of like that pick. All it's right. like a win, wins over replacement theory, and it's like if you just exactly. put a, a, if you just put a standard, you know, good, not crazy great, like a good college quarterback on that Clemson team, they're at least in the mix for a playoff spot. Yeah, if they have Riley Leonard, for example, then they're certainly in the mix. I mean, he's above replacement value but again if they had a very no, capable he's about guy. replacement no he's replacement value tom you just you just love him so much <laughs> all right ryan this one's only for you 
the Tarmac Award for Worst Coaching Performance of 2023. It can be a duo if you would like. It could be a family duo, although I don't want to point you in any one direction. You know who the answer is, Ryan. Do it. Yeah, I mean, well, if I can go with an assistant coach, yes. if that counts. It's, who's then the worst yes. coaching performance? Doesn't have to be a head coach. Well, then that's Brian Ferentz. I mean, that's the obvious answer. We're finally done with him. Adios, good riddance. Here's the question, boys. Will he ever coach in college football again? No. You'd have to be insane. Well, I mean, like Akron one football Akron could hire him as like a tight end coach, you know, but I'm going to say nothing yes. serious. I'm going to say yes. There, there's so many fucking football programs, including all of the lower levels of college football. There's 760 colleges have football in the United States. He can go to. Fitchburg State, who's ranked 760 <laughs> out of 760, sign him up. He'll be at Oberlin, like, like, five, like Altoona Community College, eating yep. an Altoona-style pizza and coaching tight ends there. But he's not coaching in any kind of prominent position again. No, it's all over. All right. Uh, Here's how you know it's funny, on. because when the Alabama opening came out and everyone was you know tossing around names, oh, Dan Lanning. Oh, Mike Norvell, somebody just wrote Brian Ferentz. And I literally laughed out loud when I saw it. I'm like, that's just saying his name. It wasn't even a joke. It just said his name. And I laughed so hard. I would like to nominate Jimbo for worst coach this year, who had like more five-star and four-star talent than Washington for sure. And uh, like sub 500 uh, playing nobody. Um, Yeah, uh, Jimbo. Literally couldn't do worse. He was trying to get fired. He's like, pay me my money, please. Cannot wait. I would take that deal in a second, getting fired and still getting like 10 or 7 yeah. million a year for the next decade. Sounds like the dream. Everyone, all of us would kill to have that opportunity at, at our own jobs. Fire me now. Give me a million and a half. Let's go. And I won't work for years. One nice deal. thing about this portal and NIL era thing is that like, you still have to be a good coach. Like money alone will not buy you championships. And you look at Washington versus Texas A&M, you know, Texas A&M had more NIL, more talent than maybe anyone. And the coaching still matters. So that's kind of a bright side as we go into the next uh, era of coaching and college football. All right. Um, well, we just made fun of Iowa, but I had another one. The, I can't even be mad about this award that I wanted to give to Iowa's whole team and especially their offense for going 10 and three with the worst offense of all time. And the stat I saw after Michigan's championship win, uh, Mikey Sandersill got an interception and returned it like 50 yards toward the end of the game. His interception return yardage on the season put him like 48 yards shy of matching Iowa's best receiver. That's on interception return yardage. Horrible. So the fact that they won 10 games, it's it's like, it's almost something that needs to be enshrined in history that we need to study. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, best moment of the 2023 season. Jimbo Fisher getting fired. 
No. Um, best moment of the season. My singular favorite moment was um, Washington, Washington State, 21-21. Washington with the ball fourth and one on their own 29-yard line with a minute 50 to go. And instead of punting or QB sneaking or plowing with a halfback dive, they run a fake halfback dive jet sweep to Rome Adunze for 35 yards. That was the ballsiest fourth and one call I've ever seen. Maybe that um, Texas-Nebraska fourth and one from 1997 was close. But definitely the best fourth down call I've seen in this 21st century. And just that play alone, I was just like, oh, my God. That's the, that was my number one oh, my God play of the whole year. Ryan, do you have a thought on this one? Uh, yeah, the Iron Bowl. The, the pass, the fourth down pass in the Iron Bowl. The, the, great, the grave digger, as they call it. Yeah, those yeah, are, that's, those that's are both really good. All right. Uh, this is a fun one, and there are a couple, at least a couple candidates I can think of, including the namesake. But this is called the Lane Train Award. It is for a guy whose very existence makes the sport more fun and better to watch. Does it have to be someone currently in college football? 2023, yes. So it can be Lane, it can be Dion, it can be somebody else. It's Lee Corso. That's pretty good. Um, this is tricky. Uh, I'm going to go with James Franklin, just for pure comedy. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, because anytime they mention him about anything, it's just more fun. When Penn State's ranked seventh, when he brings in a five-star quarterback, when they make them seem like they're going to beat Ohio State, it's just more fun. They, he just brings so much fun to college football. His name, his agent did a great job because his name was in the mix for Alabama for a hot So second. good. And they were so like, so good. Hey Alabama, Who? you want you want some of that ten and two? You want some of that ten and two with never ever beating anyone ranked ahead of you ever? It's impossible. Well, I mean, Alabama's usually preseason number one, so they don't have to worry about <laughs> losing. He'll take care of business. Yeah, he'll win it all. It's val- dude, uh, it's a really good angle. I like that. Yeah, I'm going James Franklin. Big fan. All right. Um, Best portal pickup, a guy who switched teams in 2023 and made a big impact. Uh, I'm going to go Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, leaving Herm in Arizona State. And now he's going to go top five in the draft and won a Heisman Trophy. That was probably a wise decision switching schools. But he transferred last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So okay. he transferred uh, two years ago. So him and Penix okay. would be out in this situation. Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood the question. Ryan, go ahead while I think about this. Mm. There's a few Best. options. I would say to me, it's a tie between Keon Coleman, mm-hmm. who came over to Florida State and, uh, you know, was played his way into a first round pick. Um, but I think the correct answer is Shador Sanders. I think that has to be the probably the the best answer because 
even though record-wise Colorado didn't make a huge jump and all that, he matters to that program a ton. And without him, they are winless, and it's not even close. So I think it's probably Shador as far as this year's first-year impact out of the portal. Yeah, that's a good one. I was leaning toward um, the Florida State guys or maybe even um, did Verse. Was Jared Verse a transfer? That was two years ago, right? Yeah, so I guess I was leaning toward Coleman over at Florida State. I mean, Florida State, I feel like, has had one of the best um, overall portal impacts on their team this year. All right. It, it should have been Burton at Alabama, but Miller can't throw. Best player on a bad team. A guy who went underappreciated because his team sucked. Well, I mean, Shador Sanders is probably the 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 quick answer, but let's let's think about this. He's Dan. a strong candidate. I think uh, Ali Gordon over at Oklahoma State, perhaps. But they're not a below five hundred team. No. They well, they were. I, I mean, this is open to interpretation. You know, what do you consider a bad team? Well, Cam Ward. under five hundred. Cam Ward, Washington State, uh, ETN, the running back at Florida. Um, uh, we can even go with, even though they they finished slightly above 500, he played his ass off the first half of the year. Caleb Williams, I mean, that team fucking sucked around him. And he like scrambled. His offensive line was terrible. He ran for his life. He pulled a couple of those games out of his ass and was unbelievable in September and October. People forget they have short memory, but Caleb Williams, incredible. I'm glad you brought him up. That's I wanted to say something since it's our last um, episode. I wanted to say something about him. Like he underachieved the team underachieved, not he underachieved the team underachieved last year, missing the playoff. And then this year, what seven and five, I mean, way underachieved. And, you know, he said some things that are laughable. Like he wants, you know, uh, team ownership stake at number one. And like, there's, there's been a lot of bad, uh, press and like, uh, a lot of reasons to doubt him, but just on the field, he really is like a remarkable player that, uh, played for a really overrated USC team. And he's like the only reason they won any games. Yes. I mean, he really, like, he really is. I, I'll be interested to see him in the pros. Like I would certainly just take him number one. All right. Uh, worst call by referees all year. Ryan's got something um, to add. Think about that. I, one, Dan. I, before we get to that one, I need to re- go back to the Brian Ferentz question and put a one B Alex Grinch. Uh, Oh, as the worst coaching yes. job of the year. Okay. Fast forward. What was the new one, Tom? Uh, the worst um, call by a referee of the year. Speaking of Brian Ferentz, I have a vote for this one, which is the uh, the punt return, the fair catch on Iowa that cost them from being an 11-1 and team. That's fair. I can't think of anything really crazy egregious off the top of my head, so that's that's probably... A good answer, Tom. Yeah, it's the correct answer. All right, gentlemen, it's time for the final award of 2023 and the last time this award will ever be given out. The Zach Mills Award, named after famed Penn State quarterback Zach Mills, 
who was outstanding as a freshman and got progressively worse every year of his career. We give this out every year to usually a senior or somebody in the, usually somebody in their last year of eligibility who started off with a very bright future in front of them as a freshman or their first year playing who looked great and then got a little worse every year. This year was the most competitive Zach Mills award race. Uh, Dan wants this one, but Dan, before you give us your, or after you give us your winner, we want to hear about some of the other candidates too, because it was a heated field. So Dan, I thank you, Tom. I'm not ready to jump into the winner. Okay. We, we have some things to talk about. We have many a candidate this year. Let's look down on South beach to Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami, who had a promising beginning to his career and is getting run out of town. You can go up the coast and look no further than Virginia and NC States to Brennan Armstrong, who looked like he was good, but fucking sucks. You can look at Sam Hartman, who was supposed to be the savior for the Catholics in Indiana, but also blows. You can also take a look at Oregon State transfer DJ, who was supposed to have a fresh start and was so promising coming in in spot starts. That start he had as a freshman when uh, Trev was injured was, was the was Notre the Dame of game. Legends. Yep. Yeah, well, that was years ago. He's gotten worse. But the winner <laughs> of this year's Zach Mills Award is none other than Ole Miss transfer Spencer Sanders, who started Oklahoma State as a freshman on a tear was mentioned in Heisman consideration as a sophomore and junior. As a senior, kind of didn't play all the games <laughs> and then went to Ole Miss where he, thought, where he thought he was going to play and did not. So then to close it all out, academically ineligible for the bowl game, did not even get to participate in the last bowl game. You can't get more Zach Mills slash Joe Juravicious-esque than <laughs> what Spencer Sanders did. So, therefore, in honor of those two Penn State legends, he's the winner this year. It's You know it's time to end the sh- to wrap it up for the year when we've got our Joe Juravicious mention. I just want to mention two you didn't even mention, guys who would have run away with this award every other year. One is Hank Bachmeyer of Boise. He's oh, so promising, so promising. And now his bounce. And now I think he's going to wake. Right. So he's got more time, but like time to fade them. And then the other, I feel bad for the guy, but we have to put him in there. Who is JT Daniels, super high recruit to USC. Doesn't work out there. Goes to Georgia, right? As Georgia is a rising star and you think, oh, he's going to step in once he's not injured for Stetson and he's going to win a national championship for Georgia but he can never beat out the walk on the hero of Athens, Stetson Bennett. So he goes to West Virginia, puts up some good numbers, but not quite good enough. Then he goes to rice where again, he did pretty well with rice, but again, he's, he's going from five-star USC guy to rice. And then he just recently retired from football medical retirement. So his career is done. And yet because of the great hope in Spencer Sanders, we cannot give it to JT. Ryan, 
Go ahead, and then I have another addition. Okay, well, yeah, Spencer Sanders is probably probably the correct answer. I still think JT Daniels is a very respectable runner-up. Very, very respectable runner-up. But there's probably one or two more. Dan, it sounds like you have one more that you want to add. I do. Go ahead. Well, the problem is we're thinking about players who remained quarterbacks. Look no further than Pitt, where Phil Yurkovich went from quarterback to tight end, which is a tough transition. This was supposed to be his springboard to the NFL. (laughs) Not so much springboard to the CFL playing tight end. If you just named all these guys, you'd be like, that's a decade worth of Zach Mills winners. And it's like, nope, these are just the runners (laughs) up from this one year because of COVID really, COVID helped the Zach Mills award greatly. Like, oh my God, this guy's still playing quarterback. He's terrible. Oh my God. Can, Can we nominate the portal transfer of the year for next year, just in case, and say that it's going to be Malachi Nelson? who replaces Hank Bachmeyer at Boise State, the number one overall recruit in the country last year and is transferring to Boise State. Can't wait for that. Boise might be a a low-key tender team. If Jed Fish bails on Arizona in the next week or two, I might have to bounce back over to Boise like it's 2009 again. Yep, and they got a stud running back and... um... You know, they'll be, uh, did they hire a coach? I don't know yet, but they've got an opportunity to start fresh with, you know, a great team and they could be back. It's another silver lining of the NIL era. There's no chance five years ago that Boise State gets a former number one overall recruit. But now a bunch of potato companies and jet ski dealerships can all team up and make an NIL collective and you can get a guy like that. So We'll see how it pans out in practice, but it's kind of nice if you're Boise, like you wouldn't have had a shot at this guy a few years ago. All right. Good segue to uh, one of the last, you know, the penultimate segment on this uh, wrap up show, looking ahead to 2024 and the changes that are coming in college football. We mentioned this is the end of an era transition point. Ryan, why don't you start? You know, what do you expect as we start next year? How's the sport going to be different? How's it going to be the same? Are, do you have trepidation? Are you excited? You know, what are you thinking? I think it's going to be a lot of the same, even though we're going to have the 12 team playoff, you know, I think you're going to see some teams that probably aren't going to freak out as much over one loss. Um, but it still matters for seeding. Um, cause with 12 teams, I think the top four are going to get a buy. So, you know, the top four so, yeah. still does matter significantly for that. Um, you know, I'm just I'm looking forward to just to kind of see how this new these new giant conferences work and kind of getting a feel for how this like I'm gonna take a deep dive someday over the summer when I like there's like nothing going on sports wise and uh, and just take like a super deep dive into the schedule like how the schedules are made and how the rotations work within these conferences. Uh, Cause I think that's going to matter, you know, as much as almost anything else is just like those cycle years where it's like, 
hey, we're Oregon and we don't have to play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, or Iowa this year. Like, well, that fucking matters. Like, we should pay attention to that for gambling purposes. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing I'm going to kind of deep dive into to look forward to into the season is like how the schedule works and how these giant conferences kind of work out with who plays who, which years, and and how that's going to work out. I can say as a Penn State fan, like it's all over the map, you know? And, you know, things change so drastically with the portal. Penn State's got Washington next year. A week ago, that was like, oh shit, you know? That's probably a loss. And uh, now, not, you know, not quite as scared. It's a, a win or a toss-up or like, it's just not quite as intimidating. So, you don't even know who's going to be the good team that you got to face. But yeah, the, the big 10 matchups are, are varied and Penn state's 2024 schedule is going to look drastically different than their 2025 schedule. So my feeling overall is that on paper, a lot of it seems bad, but there were also reasons to doubt the, um, you know, four team playoff era back when that started and there was some concern about that. And that ended up being great, um, at least until like bowl season sucked this year. But that was more related to NIL. So I think the playoff will probably be good. I think, you know, any other bowl is basically going to be meaningless at this point. I'm hoping that the regular season doesn't lose its meaning. I think there's reason to have trepidation. But, you know, college football's always been awesome. And I'm sure a lot of the games will still be great. And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, but I'm optimistic that even though it'll be a lot different, it's still going to be the best sport in America. I'm looking forward to some coaching things next year. I'm looking forward to Lane Kiffin's last year at Ole Miss. I'm looking forward to Billy Napier getting fired in Florida. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to Ryan day in Ohio state beating Cleveland state and him wondering where bone thugs and harmony are after the game. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to James Franklin going into each game with a zero and zero mentality and just trying to go one and zero each week. That's what I'm looking forward to the most in 2024. Akron, 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 Akron. Hey, don't make fun of one and zero because if you look at my boy Joe Brady's Twitter timeline, the only tweets he has in his entire timeline is just one and zero after mm-hmm. every game, just one and zero. That's it. That's why he's known as NFL Franklin. <laughs> Line of the year. Oh. All right. All right. Uh, a couple How else can we make fun of Penn State? Let's go. <laughs> well, I got a couple more things. I, I think it's, you know, all great things come to there. an end. Saban, Belichick, all that. Uh, we talked about this earlier this year. I don't think we ever actually said it on the podcast, but this is probably the end of the take the points college football podcast. Like this is probably the last episode, you know, I do like doing it. It becomes a lot of work as we get older, especially and have all the other life commitments. So I will keep the door open that maybe we'll change our mind over the next six months, but there's a very good chance. This is going to be the last episode you ever hear. So, uh, thanks to anyone who's ever listened. It's a hell of a lot of fun recording these, the production and getting them online and stuff is not as fun and more time consuming, but, uh, it's been a blast. Uh, 11 years ago, we started this, Dan. 
seven yeah, years. Wild. Time goes by fast. Yeah, and that doesn't even count the the two years it was a written column before that for the Chicago Tribune properties. So, thirteen years. Like we're older than the fourteen playoff. Yes, we are. Anything you'd you like know, to a, uh, say about the end of possible end of take the points? Yeah, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'd like to apologize. I wanted to put something together for this one. I wanted to play the instrumental version of "Hit 'Em Up" by Tupac, and just <laughs> I can start make that calling happen. out, calling out all the fired coaches over the year. Be like, Steven Dazio, fuck you too. Willie Taggart, <laughs> fuck you too. All you motherfuckers. That that's all, what I wanted to do. Taggart, all you like, motherfuckers, die slow, motherfucker. Fucked up. Like all like. There's been, dude, it's 11 years, right? This would have been good. This would have been really good. And I'm happy to delay the release of this for one more day while you write this up. We could have wrote down all these coaches that got fired. I mean, there's a hundred of them. (laughs) Ryan, go ahead. Real quick, since you brought it up, I just want to throw this in there for gambling purposes. The Ravens cannot win a Super Bowl with Willie Taggart as a coach on their staff. Let's go, Bills. Yeah, I didn't know that until about a week ago. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, ha, 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 ha. All right. Scott Frost, fuck you too. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Frost. many. All right. Give me my McFlurry, Scott. <laughs> it's time. Like, we could have wrote the best rap song of all time. I will say when I reflect on Take the Points, it is it is the uh, the nonsense that I missed the most or that I will miss yeah, the most. Of this is the end. The uh, Tarmac Report, obviously, number one segment of all time on any football-related show. The uh, coach's restaurant is a great one. The your opinion is wrong. Uh, a lot of great ones. Um, I want Zach Bills Award is I yeah. think still one of the, the that <laughs> a, best Zach inside Bills joke of all time. It's the best no one knows who Zach joke. Bills is. It doesn't matter. It's the best. No, uh, the greatest teams of our life bracket was one of the most fun things I've ever done. Oh, that um, was good. That was just so so fun doing that with you guys and. Uh, that was to me. That's one of the best memories. Is that? Let me let me clarify that uh, I didn't tell you guys what we're going to talk about today purposefully, but I have you know, I don't want to end on a, a down note like this, so I want to end on a more positive thing. And my last segment for this show is actually a reflection on the greatest teams of our lifetime, which is also one of my favorite things we ever did. But first. I need to hear your NFL playoff predictions, especially you, Ryan, as a Bills fan. Will the eight feet of snow affect the Bills' chances? No, it's fine. It's so funny that Dolphins fans are like, oh, it's going to be negative 30. Can we move the game? And all Bills, Chiefs, (laughs) and even the Steelers, to their credit, are like, what are you talking about? This is football weather. Look, it comes down to this. The Super Bowls in Vegas. What two fan bases will cause the most havoc in Las Vegas? That's all you need to do. That's one answer. And who's the one in the NFC? Uh, uh, Dallas. I stopped paying attention. Oh, Dallas. Dallas, Buffalo, the way it was supposed to be. They're going to burn that city down. You have no idea how much. As a Bills fan. That's how this works. As a Bills fan, obviously winning the Super Bowl even one time in my lifetime is the Holy grail. I don't care how they get there, who they do it against, what the final score is, et cetera. But if they were to win it against Dallas, I think that would be the best best thing I could ever imagine. 
And that would be awesome. San Francisco, Baltimore. There's no fans for those teams. They're not going to fucking Vegas and raging. They'll have a cocktail, some crab. (laughs) Nobody cares. Like, (laughs) no, you need the Bills, Cowboys. All the Miller Lite will be gone. All of it. All of it. Like, they'll have to shit. They will light some shit on fire. That's what we need. That's what makes the most sense. Bills fans might um, find a way to set the sphere on fire. That's what I'm saying. Oh, if we're going to roll the sphere to the stadium. Yes. Push it. The sphere. Oh. The sphere is getting rolled, rolled, rolled all the way to the Grand Canyon. They're it will be in the Grand Canyon. The sphere all the way to Allegiant Stadium, right, right through the strip. You know what? I got to say, I think this is a good way for America as a whole to come to an end. Like the <laughs> sphere gets rolled into the Grand Canyon by Bills fans winning the Super Bowl. And then we just break up America into like six quadrants, you know, the great lakes region, the new England. I'm fine. And we just end the American dynasty. I think that's a good way to end it. Tom, you're onto something, except here's how it actually works. You right on it, except that they roll it into the Hoover dam. They, they break the Hoover dam, causing all the West coast States to lose 80% of their fresh water. And that's how the U.S. breaks down. Tom, you're right on. So the Bills win a Super Bowl and all it cost you was the death of America. The sphere is going to be laying on the Colorado River. I wasn't even thinking about this, but but, uh, uh, McDermott bin Laden and his, (laughs) this will be his ultimate final act. McDermott will scream. The Bills were too good. They had to go heal. McDermott will will scream all Qaeda things. Good. Yeah. He's going to scream Allahu Akbar as the sphere rolls through Hoover Dam and destroys America. All right, guys. I love it. All right. Let's bring this thing home. So, uh, we're going to talk about the greatest teams of our lifetime. This is a segment we did in 2017. Um, looking back on what we called the greatest teams of our lifetime. We started, you know, we picked when we were, you know, 10 years old or so when we actually could pay attention and know about college football. And so, uh, it started in 92 and it went up through the previous year to when we did it 2016. And at that point we made a bracket of what we thought were the 16 best teams. And we seeded them all and we played hypothetical games to find out who would be the winner. Um, and so we ended with, um, a final four of 1995 Nebraska, uh, the Tommy Frazier team, 2001 Miami, that absolutely loaded team led by Ken Dorsey, but with like 30 something NFL future talent. Uh, 08 Florida, Tebow, tons of NFL talent, Pouncey Hernandez. That was the year that Tebow did the like, I will never play harder. Yeah, off the field, they had their questions, but on the field, very good. And then, uh, 2009 Alabama who kind of snuck in there with a couple upset victories. So we seeded the teams, but then we actually broke down what would happen if they played. So there were some upsets. Um, and you know, in a hotly contested, uh, final, we had the Tebow Florida team beating the 95 Nebraska team. Um, so, you know, it's all a judgment call, but Um, you can find that on takethepoints.net, by the way, if anyone wants to look that up, what I want to talk about and what I want to end with is kind of like catching up since this happened in 2017, there've been some really good teams in college football since. And I think our bracket would look a lot different if we did it today. So I just kind of want to go through the, um, the champions 
of the last five or six years and break down like where they rank in the greatest teams of all time. Um, one in particular, I think is like easy top four, if not the greatest team. And then the others, I'm curious what you guys have to say. So let's just go chronologically. Um, the 2018, when I say 2018, that's the year the season wrapped up, but 2018 Clemson, that is uh, Trevor Lawrence as a freshman beating Alabama, I think 44, 16 in the national championship game, kind of, um, a little undervalued, kind of like that 05 Texas team. We were kind of underlooking them all year because that Alabama team was so good with Tua, but um, they really showed us a lot in the final. Where would you guys have that Trevor Lawrence Clemson team in the like greatest teams of our lifetime? That team had a lot of talent. They're not like a top five team, but they're they're higher than people think. I mean, they had some great defensive line players. They had an explosive offense with – Higgins and Ross and ETN and Trev and they were a nasty team. They were extremely good. Like that team would would whip this Michigan team that just won it. Um I'd probably put them about the 10th or 12th best team in in our modern lifetime. I think they would have beaten some of those other Alabama teams. Um they definitely would have beaten some of those Ohio State teams. That team was extremely good. That was Trev as at his top peak powers too. He was never better than when he was a freshman. Dan, that game, he was I can't remember if we talked about this last week or if we've just been talking offline on text messages, but give us your theory on Trevor Lawrence. He don't care. Uh, and I don't blame him. Uh, he was the top rated high school quarterback of all time. Went to Clemson and blew out national, blew out Alabama, in the national title game. Both first overall pick in the draft. And it's not his fault because he goes to Jacksonville, which doesn't have a fan base. Or it's not a passionate city. It's not like he's, you know, he goes around town and it's, you know, like, like it'd be different if, if he was a Bears quarterback, right? And people are like, we haven't had a quarterback since McMahon. And people also wear McMahon jerseys. No, one wear, no one's wearing a Jacksonville jersey that says Brunel. Nobody cares. <laughs> You're in Jacksonville. There's other things to care about. Um, so it's a bad situation. It's a lackadaisical spot to end up and. You know, I think that talent's still in there, but I just, it, it's it's like, he's from the South, you know, and the South is all about high school and college football, and he was the best at it. The best. And everything else is just icing on the top. And, you know, just like anything else, like he's played football for so long, he, he's had concussions, right? He's had injuries that are serious, and he probably wakes up sore, and he's like, man, I don't feel like I did when I was 19, I didn't care about, you know, stuff like this, so... It's human nature, and you know, like he peaked early because that's what he cared about, you know. And he gets by on sure talent now. He also got married at like twenty-one. Yeah, like he was a he was like a an old man at twenty-four, and he's like, yeah, I'm good. I just I'm just punching in. This is my nine to five. Like this is literally this is just his job. He's basically Andrew Luck. Uh, but the Southern version of Andrew Luck, where Luck's like academics, live your life. Trev's like, look, I lived, eat, ate, slept, breathed football my entire life, and I made it to the NFL, and I got paid, and I'm going to get my big second contract, or he's going to get like the biggest contract in NFL history because every quarterback that signs his new deal becomes the, the biggest contract in history. 
And then he's done. He's 100% going to Andrew Luck the hell out of that league. He's going to get his $300 million contract, play for those five years, and just be like, you know what? Neck hurts a little. Knees are a little creaky. I got four kids at home. Wife's pregnant with another one. We're going to call this a day. So true. He'll retire at like 31. See, I, have I, don't, a, I don't blame him. I have a different take. I agree that he you know, peaked in life at age 19, and he's the only person where I say that as a positive in ever. Um, but I think he's going to, again, sign a max contract, you know, four or five years or whatever, you know, be a playoff level team, but never really um, be championship level elite. And then at like age 31, he's going to be underwhelming enough that, you know, Jacksonville doesn't resign him. He's going to go home to Georgia where he's from and go to Atlanta. He's going to sign with the Falcons and he's going to win a championship one championship at like age 33 with the Falcons and then he'll retire as you know, the greatest human ever. It's possible. He, I mean, he, he has enough talent. He's six, five and when he's healthy, he can throw a laser. So I yeah, he's, I admire him. He reminds me uh, of myself in a way and I'll explain this so it doesn't sound ridiculous. But like when I was in college, a senior in college, uh, I had finished most of my classes. I took one night class but then uh, I took an internship two days a week in New York City. So I had to be up at um, 5.30 a.m. on the train to New York. And then I didn't get home till like 8.39 at night those two days. And then to pay for that, that was an unpaid internship and I had to pay for train tickets and all that. I was a substitute teacher the other three days. So I was up at, you know, 5.45 a.m., and, um, you know, coming home at what, four o'clock. And then one of those days I had a night class. Um, when I got to the real world, like a real job, I was like, oh, this is actually <laughs> kind of easy, you know? Cause I actually like college or at least the last year of college, the first three years of college were not like that, but the last year was way more challenging and way more pressure and all that. So when I got a nine to five job, I'm like, that's it. I just wake up at like seven 45 and hop in the shower and like, this is good. I feel like Trevor is like that in a way, like Clemson is more high stress and more demanding in ways than Jacksonville is. So, you know, eventually he'll uh, snap out of that transition and uh, be awesome. Just like me. All right. Uh, 2019 LSU. The only question is here is like, I think it's obvious they're a top four team. If we redo this, (laughs) are they the best ever? Maybe. I know their defense wasn't elite, but it's the best offense ever. Mm-hmm. It's It was unstoppable. It was the most unstoppable offense I've ever seen. I don't think they're the best team ever, though. I think they're like third. But I will right, well, hold your opinion on that because that's how we're going to end is with who you currently think. Ryan... Yeah. Obvious lock for the final four if we were to do this bracket now. It's close. Yeah, I'd say they're four. Okay. Uh, 2020 Alabama with Mac Jones and one of the best wide receiver rooms of all time. This was a COVID year, so it was tough, but they did beat Ohio State 52 to 20. I kind of have this team like on the bubble. Like maybe they'd be ranked. 16th, 15th in a new yeah. bracket, or they might be out. I wonder if Mac. you guys agree. Yeah, he's got Mac Jones. 
I mean, we can't trust him, so we got to move on. Yeah, part of this bracket is the benefit of hindsight and seeing what guys do in the NFL, which is why a team like, you know, 01 Miami or uh, 08 Florida ends up being one of the best because you see how much talent they had at all these other positions that you may not have paid attention to at the time. All right, uh, 2021-22 Georgia. Let's just lump them together. Where do they rank in the greatest of all time? They might be the best of all time. If you look at the roster on the 2021 Georgia team, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight end room, the defensive line, the linebackers, the corners. That team was so big, strong, and fast in all positions. Watching them against TCU literally looked like a pro first to high school team. Like, They were twice the size of those guys and were just running by them. Like even Stetson Bennett, when he was scrambling, like he was just flying by these guys on TCU. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? That team was unbelievable. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, um, Nolan Smith, George Pickens, Brock Bowers, uh, you know, I mean, Donnie Mitchell. I mean, just loaded, 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 loaded. I missed 20 NFL players in there, too. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this needs to be said again, like Stetson, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't worked out in the NFL to date, but like such an awesome college quarterback. And no matter what happens, if he's selling Kia's next year, it doesn't take away from what a great job he did. He was not like some game. He was awesome. Unbelievable. He's living the freaking life, dude. He's the third quarterback for the Rams living in LA, like getting coached by Sean McVay with no pressure. And he's like, great Stafford's going to be out of here retired in like a year or two. I just got to hang out and make some money and maybe we'll see if I get a chance. That was a a question from last year's podcast. Like, will he start one NFL game at some point? I thought it was a lock that he was going to start a game because I didn't think Stafford was going to play this like most of the year. So, you know. All right. uh, Just real quick. I just want to quickly, quickly, Run through the players on 2021 Georgia real quick. All right. Number zero, Darnell Washington. Number one, George Pickens. Number two, Kendall Milton. Three, Zamir White. Four, James Cook. Five, Adonis Mitchell. These are their player numbers. You're just going six. You're starting with zero and just going by number. We're not like bouncing around. No. Six, Kenny McIntosh. Seven, Jermaine Burton. Uh, 13, Stetson Bennett. 15, Beck. 18, JT Daniels. 19, Brock Bowers. Uh, 33, Dewan Edwards, uh, 59, Broderick Jones, uh, first rounder to the Steelers. Uh, let's continue Burton, on. Burton here. didn't really play by the way. Did he? 84, Lad McConkey. All right. Now let's go to defense where it gets really stupid. Number four, Nolan Smith. Number five, Kaylee Ringo. Uh, number 17, Nicobe Dean. Um, Da, 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 44. Um, oh, how about the number one pick in the draft? Trayvon Walker. Forgot about him. Jalen Carter. Jordan Davis. Wyatt, the other D lineman. I mean, this is like 01 Miami esque. It's just so recent that people don't realize it. There's mm-hmm. that's 15 NFL players and like 10 studs and like seven pro bowlers. And what's amazing is that team that the 2022 champion team that beat TCU was it 65, seven or 63, seven Yeah, might not be as good as the 2021 team. 
It's no, debatable. No. But I think 21, 20, personally, I would put 21 as the better team. So you're saying like, oh yeah, they won the national championship game by 56 points, but they're they're not as good as last year's team. Last point, coaching staff, head coach Kirby Smart, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, defensive coordinator Dan Lanning. What the fuck? Not bad. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Uh, from that to uh, 2023 Michigan, 2024 <laughs> Michigan, where do they rank in our top 16 teams? Right, uh, right around 97 Michigan. Same thing. <laughs> Do they do they no. beat nineteen ninety four Penn State or no. 03 Auburn? The only two teams that made our bracket that were not national champions. Does Kerry Collins beat this Michigan team? Easily. Twenty nineteen Penn State beats this team. Let me know who's on twenty nineteen <laughs> Penn State. They were a good no. team. They went they went this Michigan team no. twenty nineteen. Do you want to guess the record of that team, Dan? Probably ten and two, Tom. Yes, that was a ten and two team. Thank you. They played in the Cotton Thank Bowl. You. Ten and oh, technically right eleven there. and two after the bowl game. If only the playoff was expanded. They could have shown out. <laughs> Sean Clifford's another one of like, will he start one oh. NFL game? I still have. Can't hope. wait till Penn State's the twelve seed next year. It's going to be the best, they best, w- best, they, best oh, betting opportunity oh. we'll have in a minute. They will be. Get ready. And, Playing like five seed Alabama. Like, <laughs> All right. So guys, right, so, so this is the final question then counting those teams from the last five years, plus the original teams from 92 Alabama up, you know, Miami, um, Tommy Frazier, Nebraska, Tebow, some of those Alabama teams, Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner at USC, Peter Warwick, Florida state right now, who would you pick as your, top four and who do you think is the best college team of our lifetime? No bracket. Just give me your opinion. Best four teams of all time. Best four teams. Okay. I'm going to go 2001 Miami, 2000, what eight ish Florida. I'm going to go 2021 Georgia. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go 2019 Clemson. The uh, 2019 LSU. 2019 LSU. I, I, I got the year right. Those are my four. All right. Dan, I have the exact, I have the exact same four. Uh, unfortunately, the two, Mr. Tommy Frazier. I know. Uh, so they, Tommy Frazier, they were bumped. Yeah. So I from our Clemson original, line would shut it down. Yeah. From our or, original or final four, I think Clemson's it's easy that. to sort of bounce the Alabama team, the 2009 team that made it in with some upsets. Even I, I consider the 2012 Alabama team the best personally, but even as great as Alabama's been, I don't think they have one singular team that rises to the top four. Uh, I think the O one Miami certainly in, um, I really like 2019 LSU and then those other spots. It's tough. I have a really hard time leaving out Tommy Frazier, you know, just having grown up and watched them. It's hard to compare that era and the option football, but like that was the team that struck the most fear into my heart as a young, whatever, 12 year old. And so for me, then it's like Tebow's Florida versus the 2021 Georgia team. And so I think I may have Georgia just outside at number five. 
which sucks. Or maybe LSU's got to be number five and Georgia's number four, but it's really tough for me. I think I think we can all agree that though that 01 Miami and 08 Florida are probably one two, probably one two, and then there's like a tier, and then there's like the next yeah. four, and then there's the next Agreed. four, which is the LSU team, Nebraska, um, Georgia, Georgia, and I would say that Clemson team Clemson would be the would, be, would probably be in the top mm-hmm. six. I think that's a good top six. I think that's a good top six with like a steady, (laughs) legitimate top two separating themselves. I think we're still too close to the Georgia teams. I think if you ask us five years from now, we might, there's a good chance that we might consider them like 01 Miami and it might just be obvious. And LSU's had just enough time away from them to have them at that level. But for me, yeah, I'm going to go with 01 Miami still as the most loaded team, the most NFL talent ran through that roster, never really had a close game except for that one, I think it was Virginia Tech game, where they just really didn't show up. Um, but after that, I mean, those you know other five teams are right there. So Look, if they made the Swamp Kings documentary that they should have fucking made, the real one, the right one, then we mm-hmm. would all be agreeing that it was actually 08 Florida was the best team. But they did such a terrible job on that documentary <laughs> that, it, that it tainted our view of that team. Uh, they also have a loss, though. I mean, they're the only team we're talking about in this category with a loss. So, you know, that hurts, too. You got to look at what happened on the field. So I'm going to go with 01 Miami. The other, you know, Nebraska, Florida, LSU, and Georgia all being, like, right in that, like, 2A, B, D, C, D, uh, any order you want. But, man, I mean, that even that leaves out that Reggie Bush liner at USC team. It bounces down Vince Young, Texas. I guess the point of me ending with this is that like the last five years have just produced some outstanding teams. Yes. All right, folks, we've reached the end. What do you want to say is your final word? And what is a, what's a fitting ending song for the show? Well, Tom, I'm going to say my, my parting shot is farewell to the tarmac. Just because we're not calling you out on the airwaves doesn't mean there aren't shitty coaches that deserve to get called out and you will continue to get called out. And I think the only song that, and it's unfortunate because I don't like the song, but I think the only song we could actually close with, it's Sweet Home Alabama. The uh, actual okay. one or the Kid Rock version? That might be the well, that might be the most appropriate song for this podcast. Is to just end with Kid Rock and have no sense of reverence, whatever, whatsoever. Damn. Well, you love new metal, Tom, so you would. He does. Um, <laughs> new. I would like to give a couple thank yous. I'd like to give a thank you to McLean Northeast, uh, the X Files. <laughs> um, Johnny Drama for saying, no tagger, you're out. Um, I would like to give a thank you to James Franklin again for all the comedy and the future comedy that's coming. Um, I'd like to give a thank you to you, Tom, for all your new metal uh, questions and 
unnecessary updates like you know our lady pieces new album not bad like stuff like that i really appreciate i stand by that um ryan i appreciate you passing on many big 10 picks throughout the years all uconn picks Mm -hmm. let me say thank uh, okay go ahead never mind i'm not done i'm not done this is like academy awards i got more i got more thank yous i'd like to thank little caesar's play you off with kid rock that's fine I want to thank Little Caesars Pizza. I want to thank Long John Silvers. I want to thank um, Limp Biscuits uh, album. Uh, what the fuck was the one with Nookie on it, Tom? Significant Other. Yeah, we did a commercial. You sure, you don't for want that. to thank <laughs> Chocolate Starfish and the hot dog flavored water. I want to thank them too. I want to thank uh, uh, Fox Mulder, uh, the cigarette smoking man. <laughs> I want to thank the yellow store. Um, the yellow store. I have to thank the yellow store. Yes. Um, Doris you know, Burke. Uh, yeah. Uh, so those oh, are all. Shout out Doris Burke. Doris Burke. That's a, oh, oh, I haven't heard that name in a while. Back. That's a big reference. That's a, like a nine year old reference. That, that like Those are all great. Rod so those Gilmore. are some of the high points. Rod Gilmore game of the week. Bet the under. <laughs> I like to thank New Mexico, New Mexico State for participating in a football game every year. I like to thank the civil conflict for taking place. I would like to thank you. Want to thank Bob D or you want to thank um, South Florida for leaving the trophy on the Mm -hmm. field because they didn't agree to to it. They didn't consent. I like to thank Jim Mora, Bob Diaco, Paul Pascaloni, Dino Babers. I want to thank all of them. I want to thank Kalen DeBoer. I want to thank Steve Adazio, uh, Ryan Day, Lou Holtz. Um, there's just so many thank yous. This can go on for a long time. Um, Ryan, go the ahead. Hawaii, the Hawaii test is the thing that yes, no, matter what, no matter what the podcast does, the Hawaii test must be passed at least twice a season. Yeah, those are all great. Um, those are... Yeah, there's been so many highs on the show. My favorite single moment was us all saying Willie Taggart was going to fail Florida State, and we said it in September. And then week Tom zero started the episode like week four with the entourage clip of "No Taggart, your time is up," which was our greatest <laughs> moment in all of Take the Points. When you hit play on the Apple episode, it was that clip from Entourage was our peak. That was the peak moment of Take the Points. That was like our Kirby Enthusiasm season six or your like Sopranos season three. Like that was the moment where we couldn't do any better. There was a tarmac episode. There was a fake commercial with McLean Northeast that episode talked about Kid Rock. There was one week where 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 I had to pick a game as A.D. Skinner. You remember that? You had me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had, that was a great one, too. Those are all winners. Um See, so yeah, I think those are all hits. And I think the only fitting song to end the show was the same song that was used to end the 1998 prom for us. That would be Semisonic's Closing oh, yeah. Time. I think is an appropriate last song for us for so many reasons that draws it all together. Thank you all. It's been fun. I'm not going to add too much because you covered all of the highlights, but my favorite single moment was the 
I think it was three or four years ago when UConn was the worst team in college football. And at the end of the year, I edited together a UConn supercut of all our UConn <laughs> breakdowns from the entire year, which so combined good. many of the moments you love and <laughs> including Ryan in everyone just saying pass. <laughs> so we cannot forget I'm to not, shout out UConn football. Number I'm one above all UConn football. Oh God. So much fun. We might be back next year. Maybe not. I don't, uh, I, it's, it's hard to let go. This is not a guaranteed closing, but this no. is like, it's like curb your enthusiasm. Like it's going away. It's been a really mm-hmm. long time. You think it's probably the end, but you never know. Look, it might be X-Files with John Doggett. We might not be the same. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be you. It's going to be like you and your brother. And, and like, Mahoney. And Mahoney. Me and Dan. <laughs> like, what me. the hell's going on here? Yeah. Me and Tom are on it. Yeah. We're taking a year off. I'm doing a movie and Dan's, Dan's pregnant. I'm in jail. I'm in jail. <laughs> Tom's doing a movie. Two years, you guys keep it going. And then we're back. And then we show up back like episodes. no visibly aged for a like yeah, poorly but, written episode. Yeah. Like, but then we're only going to do six episodes. Like, like that, that's it. We're going to do a preseason, a week four check-in, week seven, conference championship, one bowls, and a postseason wrap-up, and that's it. You that's laugh, it. but I think of, I thought about, like, logistically, like, what would it look like if we just kept do, doing it? And I'm like, what if we just do a show once a month, a college football yeah, show, but we're just like, oh, back for week four. All right, we'll see you in, in week eight. Less responsibility. All right. Thanks for everyone who's listened over the 11 years. Dan covered all the highlights. I will probably think of 50 more, but uh, Cue the semi-sonic. that's it. Cue semi-sonic. Bring back some bad memories of the 98 prom and um, best of luck in your future endeavors. No, Taggart. I'm afraid it's your time that's up.